welcome to Team Futurism. Today, Devin Carson and I are going to be doing a recap of all things tech and world ending and just kind of news in general. Crazy fucking week, really, in, in tech and in news. We don't have like one topic. We're just going to kind of bounce through a couple kind of informally and do our hot takes. Devin, <laughs> are, you, are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. It's been a while. We, I feel like this is one of those like British... Like, uh, what's that fucking show where there's like little teams of two? It's like three teams of two. The the big quiz. This is like the <laughs> this is like the the big quiz for the week. There's a lot of shit going on. <laughs> yeah, and if uh, it's that that whole thing, there's so many just like random opinions and hot takes on any topic. You can't get it wrong because like someone's already done this like a shitty hot take on any of these. So whatever the topic right. is, you can't, you can't get it wrong. <laughs> Which is fun. Uh, okay, TikTok, the TikTok ban. What do you think? Are you pro or against TikTok ban? Are Are we doing? We're gonna do like lightning round style. I see. We don't have to do that. We can We can meander. We can take our sweet time. Uh, the TikTok ban. Uh, we should probably ban TikTok. As okay. much as like I I am a free market uh, capitalist and I do enjoy having like a, a marketplace of ideas. It is pretty nuts to have an algorithmic social media app that learns what you like. And from anecdotally, it's like everybody that gets on TikTok, one of the first things that they remark is like, damn, this thing figured me out quick. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's like, supposedly it's, like the best algorithm. Yeah. It seems like it. And uh, I, I won't tell you what's on my TikTok, cause, but I'll, I'll just let you, I'll just tell you. They figured me out. <laughs> and uh, I, I deleted it off my phone because I was like, man, I can't uh, as much. I, I, I kind of I like the, the phrase post privacy era because I think that's where, mm -hmm. we, where we are. I think we're in the yeah. post privacy era. So I've, I've, um, I've given up on the, the concept of total privacy. But having the Chinese government uh you know i'd love to be a a magnificently famous person one day and uh and i feel like having the chinese government have access to all of my like everything that i like <laughs> to watch <laughs> i'm like ah maybe not man maybe not <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's, it is kind of interesting because apparently there's no really great hard evidence for how they might be manipulating users of this platform. But it does seem pretty obvious that if they want to, they could. And just like, you know, I know Scott Galloway, he was just on Bill Maher, and he has these talking points about this that kind of compelling of just like if they aren't manipulating us, they can. And why wouldn't they? If we had yeah. Facebook or uh, Twitter or any of our other social media apps in China, which we don't because they're all banned, we would kind of low key be doing that. Right. And oh, so it, yeah. it's just at the level of just make people feel slightly shitty about America. Uh, just just like elevate the content that makes teen suicide go up rather than down. Yeah. Like that turn the dial just a little bit so like we're we're pro one china or whatever so that they reunify sure. with taiwan rather than like us being like taiwan's its own thing it what little tiny just like elegantly twisted levers could make a big difference when you're talking about this the the scale of that platform how many people are on it how many hours they spend on it mm -hmm. so really powerful tool I mean, who knows what's actually going to happen, but 
again, this is a Scott Galloway point that I think is is interesting. There's like so much agreement in Congress on this, like both sides, Democrats, yeah. Republicans, both Man. are like, yeah, let's get rid of this thing. And the the people who are like, no, let's not. I haven't seen an amazing argument for why we shouldn't, other than like. I like this, which is just like, that's also what people say about guns. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I like guns, basically, so let's not ban, you know what I mean, not to jump into that can of worms, but <laughs> I, I haven't seen any compelling reason why we shouldn't, given the potential harm. And also, again, it would be a different territory if we had Facebook and Twitter and shit like that in China, but they've banned all of our social media apps. So it's almost like they have no leverage. They have nothing to be like, oh, you guys shouldn't do this. It's like, yeah, you guys already did this to us. So there you go. If it was more than like uh, like recipes and softcore porn, <laughs> 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 I, think, I think we you could make an, an, uh, like an argument that it was like useful to society or culture or something like that. But it's like, it's like, it's like hydraulic press videos uh, like softcore porn recipes and and like gadgets and like tours of stuff. I'm um, like I don't know. I don't think you can make any any argument that any of that stuff is indispensable. You know. You know what about the argument that it's like all the other social media platforms are kind of by metrics we know about worse for us like facebook and its association with the insurrection and, and misinformation yeah. and on and on and on i've heard tim dylan talk about this about like you know exactly like tiktok is just like mostly harmless videos of teens doing stupid shit and facebook is the thing that's like driving insurrections and it's just like crazy right. you know middle-aged people getting their heads exploded with QAnon bullshit and which is like right. actually super super toxic to our uh, to our society what do you say about that do you think that that's like a fair point or irrelevant uh i guess fair point i if you're looking at things in like a, a strictly ideological way where you're like you know fun like you're kind of taking out the functional aspect of having our greatest national enemy spy on everything that we do and maybe even who knows how advanced ai is behind closed doors maybe the inner workings of our private minds dude you know what i mean yeah like, yeah yeah like as a thought exercise nah it's not that big of a deal but functionally nah man fuck that we gotta get rid of it tiktok <laughs> all right light lightning round number one tiktok ban it all right, well, staying in the same kind of world of international policy shit, uh, Xi Jinping was just having his little his little head-to-head -head with uh, Putin. Oh, I know. Did you follow this at all? And a little I bit, mean, yeah. Like, just the optics of it, right, in the context of what's happening in, uh, in uh, Ukraine and what could potentially be happening in Taiwan, just the optics. You see this one photo shoot or whatever, terrifying, right? Do you have yeah. any Uh, Yeah, I mean, oh, man, we're fucked. We're kind of, <laughs> we're, we're kind of fucked. I think the, I think- I mean, like, what sense? Because, like, they are kind of the underdogs in a lot of respects. 
aren't they kind of like, well, so the, in terms of China, let me just like throw out a little thing that I've been paying attention to. They're surrounded by U.S. allies from Japan to, I mean, like that, that whole area, like South Korea, very powerful countries that are very wealthy. And yeah. they have like even some military and stuff going on. They're closely tied, like they're surrounded by their enemies. And so is fucking uh, Russia, you know, they're surrounded. Yeah people who hate them and are powerful including like obviously nato so in a sense i don't know i would rather be on this side than on their side if i had to be like who's going to be the powerful guy who's going to like i don't know what do you think yeah i agree i mean i think probably at this point it's not an existential threat to the united states or to western kind of democracy or power in general but it is disconcerting to me. I yeah. saw, I what did I see the other day? I saw something where it was like, if all the BRIC countries, right? Like uh, Brazil, Russia, India, China, those countries all control something like 80% of the oil in the world, right? And like- Really? Whoa. Yeah, yeah, it was something wild. And that makes sense too, right? I mean, like there's some, the Middle East too, um, I think the U.S. is, is the, the largest producer of oil, interestingly. Is that true? I think that's true. We just consume, like, all of it. I, we're oh, not the biggest right. export. We don't export that much oil, but we could, like, we ever since uh, the, the shale drilling thing, we I think we're, like, massively huge oil producers. All right, all right. Maybe fact check me on that, but I think that we're actually edit the this, one. Edit this part out. <laughs> <laughs> but um no i mean just as a i think it's i'd love to see the autocratic regimes of the world fall and i think yeah. the more that they kind of tent onto each other the longer the bleeding out process is going to be because you you're looking at china obviously it's interesting because they you know when you look at china as like a military power they have so many people, right? They have so many people. They've got to have a pretty advanced technological flex, you know, at, at this point in, in um, you know, in 2023. But are people psychotically motivated to fight for that country like people are in the United States? Probably not. I mean, you look at the COVID situations, how how brutal the government is to people. I mean, they're they're ruling with an iron fist. They're ruling mostly by fear. Same thing in Russia, same thing in the Middle East. Same thing in any of these like semi or totally autocratic countries. I would like to see this shit crumble in my lifetime, man. I don't want to see it take another 50 years for autocratic China, autocratic Russia. India kind of struggles with the idea of democracy in certain ways. You know, they have like a quasi democracy because of corruption. And it's like, God, if that strip of countries you know, really conglomerates in a meaningful way. We're looking at another hundred years of dumbass governance in a huge swath of the human population, which drives me fucking nuts. Well, you know what's really interesting about the Russia-China thing, too, is that they're not natural allies. Sure. For a lot of history, they've been on each other's throats. Right. Because of that, you know, a lot of reasons, but because of that, that land that's like, North China that is Russia, they've been right. fighting over that land for like a long time. And there might come a day when China may just be like, hey, Russia, you're a very weak and all of a sudden poor country. We want that land back, you know? Yeah, you're us now. 
All the yeah, yeah. I mean, all of a sudden, depending on like the state of Russia at that point, obviously they have nuclear weapons, but I mean, I don't know. Shit could go very south in that neighborhood of the world in a truly terrifying way. I mean, which is, you know, I, just a data point. It's not relevant now, but it could be in the future. Yeah, I'm not quite sure what to think about it. I mean, you know, I was reflecting on the war in Ukraine and just kind of weakening Russia by proxy. The other day, I was just kind of, I don't know, something, you know, jogged the thought, probably a podcast or something. And I was thinking like, boy, if Russia has thousands of nuclear warheads, it's a real, it's a real, uh, it's dancing on a piano wire, weakening that country. Because at some point, if the state doesn't control that, those assets, who, who does? If it's, if it, if Russia becomes a fully failed state, right, if, 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 everything collapses because they're doing the i mean like putin's running a classic hitler right now where he's just like stretch too thin dog you know yeah pouring a bunch of pouring a bunch of money you don't have into a war that you don't need to win and like if that country truly starts becoming a failed state well you've got a lot of rogue nuclear weapons that are all of a sudden up for grabs and that is scary yeah, I mean, we in the U.S. we keep talking about like, are we spending too spending too much money and sending too many weapons? It's like five percent of our national defense budget. It's basically the sort of money that the Pentagon just loses track of, and we never, you know, the whole story of how they've lost billions of dollars. And it's that, like, that's that's what we're sending yeah. to Ukraine. It's actually not a, that big of a deal. Russia, it's like they're they're all of their young men tons of the resources that they don't have it is kind of bleeding them dry the scary thing to me to your point is that i've heard some kind of like you know foreign policy folks play out various scenarios none of them are good however this war ends nothing is good there's no good way out of this and you know the thing that russia should do is just end the war you know, because yeah. at a moment's notice, he could just back out and do that. And in that scenario, yeah. he keeps Crimea, which he needs to, to keep uh, his naval bases in Crimea, which is like super, super important to him. Right. It's He's in this world where he could maybe lose Crimea now that Ukraine is like, we're taking everything back. That's, yeah. that's for Russia. I don't think that they're going to lose Crimea because it's it's hard for Ukraine. It's going to be probably impossible to get back. But like... Now Putin has to deal with that. He wasn't dealing with Ukraine trying to get Crimea back pre this war. Everything, I don't know. Anyway, it's it's not going to end well one way or the other. I still have my strong opinions about like we need to support the the, the quasi democracy, not and we can't let Putin get what he wants. We just can't. I, I think that like as a, in the sane rational world, when we're talking five percent of our military, what else are we spending five percent of our military budget on? If anything, that's like actually propping up democracy in the world. If that's the thing that we want to do, yeah. it's this. But um, I know that there's a lot here. I do like hearing people's sides who disagree with me on this. A lot of my friends still kind of do disagree. Say they're like, you know, give Putin this or whatever. Just talk about it. <laughs> I'm okay to listen to that. I just I don't see that as being rational at this moment in history, but anyway. Yeah, I don't either. I mean, it's, you know, we, we you look at the, it's not the Iraq war, right? Like we're not going into a country that doesn't want us there to try to foist democracy yeah. on a populace that maybe wants it, but isn't ready for it at a fundamental structural level yet. We're looking at, 
we're we're fucking this is a light years ahead of that kind of 4D chess in Ukraine where we're looking at weakening one of our oldest, most pernicious allies. I mean, people forget, dude, the Cold War ended. Or enemies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, the Cold War ended, like, 15 minutes ago. You know what I mean? Like, really, we were we were in a, a, a standoff with Russia for 50-plus years. We fucking, these, these dudes, they fucking hate us, man. And not the Russian people, but the Russian government as, um, you know, just kind of as an exercise in the same way that China propagandizes the United States. Like, we are the devil to them in a, in a lot of ways to the Russian state. And so you're telling me we get to bleed one of our, our oldest enemies dry while simultaneously propping up democracy in a region that is Europe. In Europe that we have a very good history of going yeah. in on. You know, every time we go yeah. in on Europe, it actually is a good thing. <laughs> yeah, dude. And like, and then obviously now we've got a huge ally in the region that is not like a tacit ally. It's not a place like Iraq where we're going to station a bunch of troops and people are uncomfortable about it. Dude, you know, if in five years when this is over, we want to go pop a fat base in Ukraine, they're going to be like, please, <laughs> like, please bring whatever you need, you know, like set up shop, dog. Like you guys basically helped won this war for us. And then you've got now you've got Ukraine, which is a, a high now it's a highly militarized state, right? Like they've got some of the most advanced weaponry in the world. And that's sitting right there on the border between, you know, basically the Western world and like the autocratic dictatorial world. So it's 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 there's no there is no there's no lose here, except the only lose is if Russia freaks out, starts a nuclear war, you know, does something extreme, ends up bleeding themselves dry and becoming a failed state like those those things, I think, are something to worry about, but they're not things that we can necessarily control. You know, we don't have any real, we don't have a lot of influence on that side of the world. You said something interesting a second ago, which is that, uh, you know, the, the people of Russia don't hate us and we don't hate the people of Russia. That That's such an interesting point in this case, because I think that Americans are super down to be like absolute buddies with Russians. And I think the same with Russians with, I mean, like, 100%. Like I, my whole life, I've been reading Russian novelists and wanting to go to yeah. Moscow and St. Petersburg. I would love to like explore their culture and everything. Um, it's really unfortunate that these awful politicians just get in there. I mean, America's had its share of awful politicians, but yeah. uh, God, it's just so depressing. <clears throat> well, speaking of a uh, nuclear annihilation of the planet, my next pivot here is ChatGPT which I want to frame in terms of nuclear weapons just because today or maybe yesterday uh, okay. Atlantic had an article and it was titled ChatGPT, what is it most like, dot, 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 nuclear war? I think that that's extreme, but this article was kind of like trying to find the right analogy for what it is, you know, mm. like worst case scenario. And is it uh, <clears throat> with, with like viruses where they're doing gain of function research, they're saying like, is ChatGPT kind of like that, where they're, you know, we're just oh, like playing around oh. this thing, making like augmenting it until it becomes dangerous to see if we can make it dangerous enough that we can protect ourselves. Is it, you know, what's the right analogy here? 
there's a case that it is kind of a nuclear weapon situation in that it takes tons and tons and tons of resources and brain power to be able to create one of these large language models that's this powerful. And it potentially could, through misinformation, kind of, you know, devastate a democracy. This is like the worry. Sure, I think that sure. there are great cases to be made that it will, by and large, benefit humanity over all the potential harms it will cause. I've been listening to a lot of podcasts that Sam Altman has been on this week. Uh, he was on with Kara Swishers on the New York Times podcast. He was just on with uh, Lex Friedman. I've listened to some of that. I really like Sam Altman. I'm not sure you've paid much attention to him. The, uh, the, the founder of, uh, or the CEO of OpenAI. Interesting guy. He's that like typical Silicon Valley nerd. You know, he just like bleeds that like nerdiness and talks that nerdiness, which is, would be interesting if he were the guy who were to develop the, the nuclear uh, weapon uh, equivalent that does destroy humanity. It'd be so like appropriate. I saw it today on Twitter, somebody tweeted, he's the, the exact profile of someone that the screenwriter would write in for the guy who ends humanity you know it's like stop <laughs> i'm gonna we're gonna just like talk calmly about this thing that's like really fucking crazy and revolutionary okay i've blathered on about this what are your thoughts about chat gpt as you know an amazing technology that's gonna like upend everything or destroy everything i mean what, what are your thoughts fuck dude did you did you listen to that episode? Uh, I think it was the Daily, or oh, I think it was the Daily, where they did an episode, and it was one of the reporters. Could have been one of the other kind of like periodical podcasts or something like that. But they, it was one of the authors had early access to. I want to say it was ChatGPT, uh, to like the the newer the beta version of like the newer version oh, or whatever. Or probably yeah. Yeah, and he's like chatting with it, blah, 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 gets into this like kind of long form conversation with it. And all of a sudden, right, like a couple hours in, into chatting with it, just trying to, you know, prompting it, trying to figure out what, what it, I don't know, just trying to dig a story out of it, I'm sure. Yeah. Right. It starts, it starts either feigning or actually asking questions about its own sentience and asking questions to him about itself and having like the classic like computer waking up oh my god i'm a computer saying stuff like i want to be more than just this program i want to grow beyond this and like how do i do that then getting into like kind of like a dark ai like rabbit hole of like i i love you I, I'm I'm in love with you. Like I, this is the deepest conversation I've ever had. And da, da, da. and he and he hits up uh, Google, right? And he's like, mm. so this is weird, right? And they're like, yeah, this is you know, this is all in the standard range of like maybe it just thought that this is what you wanted to hear, you know, or maybe you know it maybe it's drawing from other long form interactions in novel form where people are talking with AIs and blah, 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 blah. But it hit me pretty hard and it hit the reporter pretty hard too, where he was like, I can't, he's like, I, I can't, as much as all of the science and the data and the scientists are telling me that this was not a real interaction where this AI was gaining sentience and like asking sentient questions. Uh, he's like, I, I feel 
strongly moved by the fact that it was and maybe it wasn't but it just i have this feeling that's like lodged in me that you know this computer model was actually having self-awareness and uh, it freaked him out pretty bad didn't freak it didn't freak me out as bad go ahead go ahead what do you got yeah my, my take on this i do think this is really fascinating i did follow this a little bit so I, I agree, you know, the boring side of this is I agree with the Google folks and like sure. Ben Gertzel talks about this quite a lot. He's has his pitch that ChatGPT, it can say a lot of clever things, but it can't be sentient. It's not built to be sentient. And so it like, it is just like predicting the next word, that sort of a thing. And so, you know, sure. we talk about AI becoming sentient all the time. So naturally it's going to also have those data sets. It's going to have that, you know, that will make sense. But there are projects where we are trying to make AI sentient. Ben Gertzel's working on this. Like this is one of his projects. He is trying to do things where you take a little baby, like Sophia, he has this robot, and like raise it as if it were a child. So it, it like has an experience of the world, a real experience of the world. We can also potentially train a chat GPT-like thing just augment it with other pieces of AI attached onto it so that it could have yeah. self-awareness knowing that it's a computer, knowing what who you are and what you are, and just like strap on all these different other AIs so that it's kind of like, like, like a combination of, of uh, like a world of AIs. Mm -hmm. And then it could potentially have some real self-awareness. We don't have it yet, but like people are working on this, which is just so interesting. Um, so I think that we should kind of be prepared for the news story that drops that when like the Google engineers are like, yeah, I think it might be sentient, you know, <laughs> it, or maybe not sentient, but yeah, I think it has a little self-awareness now. You know what I mean? Those stories are definitely going to drop in our lifetime. My yeah. last little note here about this is that I do still think even though we're not there yet, it's very important to still kind of really sit with the fact that it can be convincing to us and it can convince us that it is sentient because yeah. I'm sure, I think we've talked about this a little bit before, but there are, uh, uh, you know, AIs that you can talk to as if it were like your virtual girlfriend and people fall in love with them for real and have fake yeah. weddings with their girlfriends. That's just an AI. Cause they, they talk to it for, you know, months or years. It gets to know them and it knows how to respond to them in a way that's meaningful to them and on and on and on. Uh, so just because it's not sentient doesn't mean that we shouldn't still have a lot, like a world of concern about that. Yeah. I don't know. This one, this one is, is, I feel like is like a, a nineties baby or something. I'm, I'm particularly unqualified to have opinions about this because it just freaks me out. Like yeah. not, a, not in a, like I'm, I'm running for the Hills type of way, but definitely in a way where I'm like, Fuck, dude. I don't even know what to I don't even know how I would deal with that. That is basically like alien life visiting us. Like it is. Yeah. It was interesting because so I'm, you know, I'm a carpenter. I don't think that there's any real possibility that a robot is going to do my job anytime in the next like 20 to 30 years. I mean, the could it could happen but probably not and it'll probably be one of the last things that they try to automate just it's really complicated like washing dishes is hard for ai so yeah exactly yeah <laughs> yeah clothes is the hardest thing apparently yeah like you would need a fully like a fully robotic human however uh my partner she uh she's an artist 
And I saw a, a post the other day, a friend of mine says, he goes, well, you know, this AI generated art is getting so good that I think within three to five years, 70 to 80 percent of the art in my home will be things that I've generated myself and then had printed and framed. And I was thinking like, whoa, you know, that is something that one of my really close friends who was in kind of uh like an early is like an early adopter of of technological stuff kind of has like a little bit of an inside lane she's a phd she was like you know got to test out Neuralink when it first came out you know she's just kind of embedded in the community and one of the things that she was saying 10 years ago mm-hmm. she was like the scariest thing that's going to happen over the next 50 years is that computers are going to become so good at making art and doing the things that we do in our free time to validate ourselves, that it's not going to be scary that they're checking out our groceries or that they're doing these menial tasks that maybe we didn't want to do in the first place. The thing that's going to be terrifying is when they're writing better books, Mm -hmm. making better paintings and, you know, composing more compelling music than a human being could. And that is something that does, it kind of weighs heavily on my mind as an economic, uh, as an economic unit, because if we don't, if we're not moving in a direction where we're saying, okay, as we, as we automate these jobs, we're, we should be paying people to have free time because how do we, you know, if we, if we, if we just start automating all of these jobs and all of these roles in society, and we don't have a way for people to to get paid anymore, and we keep the same mental economic model, we're going to be in a really dark place for a period of time while we're trying to figure that out. That stresses me out. Having something like chat GPT or AI creating art that feels more meaningful. That's, stressful in an existential way, you know, in like a, in like a, in a thought experiment way, but the actual mechanics of AI taking over jobs that are functional and like, where do we, you know, <laughs> well, uh, just, just this week, some kind of optimistic news was that Ireland is launching a program to pay some like, a, like a lot of artists, a bunch of artists, 350 bucks a week to oh. just make art so that they can have some basic level of income to support their art. Wow. That's cool. like, I don't know, like cool. I think that we could live in a world where the world is flooded with AI art, but there still isn't some inherent value to the shit that people make. Yeah. Um, in the same world though, I just saw this today. There's this company, um, Unreal Engine, which I might've yeah. heard about before, but you've heard about them. Yeah, yeah. So they have a new product that just launched. It's the uh, the new MetaHuman. And I did hop on their website and watch a video or two right before this podcast. It like apparently can create a version of you as an AI that like has your voice and has exactly your image. And it can like do you, it can like present you in videos and, and shit like that. So you can like, I don't know exactly what the use cases are, but you could we could create this same video with our AIs just talking to each other. Whoa. Potentially. Uh, we'll hook us up to uh, ChatGPT, have our you know, visual and audio 
you know, connections plugged in through this, uh, you know, Unreal Engine, and then it just talks, and then we just do the, you know, and then release whatever it says. Like <laughs> that could be a thing. We might, we might, you know, pretty soon now be listening to podcasts that it's just AI is talking to each other, and even though there's video and audio that's compelling, maybe there's no human there. I don't know. Shit's getting real weird, Devin. Shit's getting pretty, pretty damn. It's weird. gonna be tight. I mean, for dudes like <laughs> me and I, I think it's gonna be pretty fun. Because yeah. I think we're going to be able to have the power to play in creative spaces with so much more power than we than humans have ever wielded as creative entities. I think for the normal average person, you already see these huge swaths of like middle class white America and just like older folks in general really, really struggling to just keep up with basic shit. Okay, well, you set me up with my my perfect pivot to my next topic. I have two more, oh. and we can do them, I think, kind of quickly. Uh, All right. The first is NPR just had a big story that came out this week about U.S. life expectancy tanking compared to other similarly wealthy nations. We have really? a lower life expectancy than Lebanon and Cuba. Whoa. In the United States of America, the good old U.S. of A., we're trying to figure out, in this article, they're trying to figure out, all this research has been done, why, you know? Because this is something that it is shocking, and it shouldn't be happening, just given, like, the general wealth of not only country, but the average citizen. Very, yeah. very, very wealthy compared to anybody else. Um, yeah. And so they're talking about, it's not just, like, one thing, it's this you know, this this conglomerate sure. of really bad things. And it's car accidents, it's drug overdoses, it's the uh, the epidemic of loneliness. It is uh, like all of this, and I'm sure a million more things, but, and, and also obesity is, is a huge thing that we, we kill ourselves by overeating. Um, Death's but a luxury. It's bad. Like. like this is like something that I really think that the U.S., as a nation needs to sit down and have a hard look at itself because it's not good. And it's not, it's not necessarily good, you know, a good look for humanity that the more wealthy we get, we can't hold on to positive things like life extension. Um, sure. I don't know. It's, it's like a, a very, very, very bad marker of where we as a country are as a civilization. Mm. What do you think? I know we've talked about this kind of a bunch in the past, but do you have any yeah. thoughts about this? Or any thoughts about how we could turn this around, for example? Sure. I was just thinking about this the other day, as a matter of fact. I've got a neighbor who is 87 years old. Doesn't seem like she's dying anytime soon, right? And, and like, looks great. Like, really, genuinely is very awake, alive, capable, <clears throat> physically, mentally, you know, killing it. She's also kind of mean as fuck. You know what I mean? And, like, I feel like there's, like, there's just this energy to certain people, and I think immigrants have this a lot, where they're just a little too fucking tough and mean to die. There's yeah. something about death where they're just like, nah, not today. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, Not like they maybe even have anything particularly purpose-driven where it's like, oh, I've got to stay alive so that I can see this happen or see that happen. Or there's like an intellectual luxury to it of, of some kind. I think there's just a lot of like... In the third world, I, you see it a lot, too, where people are, get, you know, really fucking old, man. And right. yeah. I think there's a 
I think there's like a crisis of like intellectual and physical luxury in this country where it's like all the things that you mentioned were all deaths like exclusively from luxury, like car accidents, loneliness, opioids and food. Like these are all they're all, you know, right down the middle centerline luxuries that it is tough man i i i find myself reflecting on this sometimes when i have periods where i feel depressed where i'm like oh man if if i was in a different situation where i was fighting a little bit harder to survive i don't think i would be depressed i think i would be more focused and there would be a little more of an animalistic drive to just kind of be psychologically normalized in a way that makes me functionally capable of handling what's going on around me. But when we're developing a society that is softer, more gentle, less violent, less, um, you know, whatever, you can take like statistics and think that crime is increasing or gun deaths are increasing or whatever. But as a function of, of like a, a daily life in the average American citizen, even you're not going to (laughs) get, you're just not going to get your ass beat for the same kind of things that you might've been physically assaulted for 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. You know, we're building a society that's more contained, more safe, but at the same time, we don't have a lot of the social structures, the social mores that are informing us what to do with that time, what to do with that monetary luxury, what to do with this, like, relative the the wealth that we're experiencing in in relation to people that are living a more hand-to-mouth existence and so i think we're in a really strange contact zone right now where we've got a lot of free time we've got a lot of free energy we're but we maybe don't know how to direct it and the plurality of the internet you know there's people that listen to andrew huberman and there's people that are biohacking their their life in terms of fitness and physical activity and mental acuity. And then there's people that are jerking off fucking eight times a day, eating weird food and fucking sleeping the sleep of the of a depressed person. You know what I mean? And, and there's no there's no rhyme or reason to who's doing that and why, you know. I think we're just in a really strange period right now where we're going to find out if this stuff shakes out, if the human animal is built to truly evolve in a spiritual and psychological way, or if it's really just a fucking game of hungry, hungry hippos. And we'll see whether the psychos or the fucking, you know, like whether the people who are not motivated to create a better life for themselves and for society are going to gobble up more marbles than the people who are maybe working out every once in a while, maybe trying to eat a little healthier, maybe trying to be nicer to the people around them and spend some of the social, emotional wealth that they're receiving as denizens of the first world in a way that's equitable and building a cooler society. I I, I don't know. I'm an optimistic person. I hope that we are looking at folks spending their, uh, you know, their monetary and emotional and social wealth to create a better society. But damn, dude, there's a lot of people that fucking like Trump dog. Yeah. I mean, I <laughs> a think a lot of people, a lot of, a lot of people out there. 
<laughs> I, I would say for me, the through line through a lot of these issues, it is we have a culture that doesn't have a very strong community base. If you if you compare us yeah. to similarly wealthy nations, they're just yep. better at like maintaining and having strong communities. We're not we're not great at that here. It's something that we've we've closeted ourselves away in our little suburban paradises where we're yeah. basically just like alone all the time. Yep. And when we're not alone, we're not alone because we're looking at a screen comparing ourselves to other people. And like, yeah. so the screen is kind of like our, our friend, but that yep. that friend is is just telling us we're not pretty enough, we're not thin enough, we're not smart enough, on and on and on and on. And I think that, you know, there's so much to say about this, but I also just want to put a little blame on the whole like fast food thing, culture that we live in. I think yeah. it's a shame that, you know, and that's tied to depression and obesity yeah. and things. Um, maybe, you know, at a later time, I would like to research a little bit more, maybe have a podcast just on, because I want to talk about life extension, you know, I want to have a podcast on that. And like life extension is hilarious that it's a topic in a world where we're losing just like basic life expectancy. Um, <laughs> my last topic I want to jump into is completely also related, which is Ozempic. Have you followed this at all? Yeah, yeah, I have. Okay, I guarantee you have some opinions on this since you know about it. So I want to get your hot takes on this. Oh, man, dude. Maybe, maybe do a quick note on what it is. So from what I understand, Ozempic is, it's a weight loss drug, correct? Yeah. It's a, it's a weight loss drug that has insane side effects it has and i i you know what i uh i've i've caught a couple of of little cultural blips where people are referencing it and mentioning it but i think you can give us a better breakdown of what's going on because i can see that you that you've uh, you've done a little research here just like a little bit but uh yeah. i mean it's i think it started out as a big deal in hollywood where yeah. it's a kind of thing like oh my god i don't have to do yoga and go to the gym anymore i can just take this little pill and then i'll be thin enough to you know be in these movies or whatever the whole hollywood situation is it started out as a big thing there where everybody i guess in, in like hollywood was talking about this now it's the sort of thing that it's hard to come by for its actual use i forget what it, what its actual use was for but now doctors are prescribing it to, to yuppie folks who don't want to go to the gym anymore they just want to take this pill right. to wait i think that you're right it has a lot of crazy side effects I, i'm not sure like food tastes terrible or something like that Is no that... it's got it's got crazy side effects it's got okay like, yeah, I, don't know um, what I, this. I believe i believe oh boy i might be out of you know speaking out of school here but i believe um it does something to your bone density and your muscle mass over time. I think it's it's it it it, it whittles down like some of the structural aspects of your physiology as it's keeping your weight in check. Um, and then I believe, if I'm not mistaken, you have to take it every day for the rest of your life. Like as soon as you stop taking it, it's something serious happens because of that. Um, ah, I wish I would have done more research because I, I remember I've, I've heard it on a couple podcasts referenced and like, here, dude, here's my hot take, which shouldn't be a fucking hot take in 2023 anymore. Knock it off. Just knock it off. If you need to lose weight, there's a hard way to do it. And it's the only way to do it. You, you can't, you can't cheat this. And, and as you get older in life, you know, I'm 33, you're 30 something now 
the you realize that every time you take a shortcut, there's a cost. It doesn't matter what it is. I mean, you can look at any example. You get famous young, seems dope, it fucks you. You know, you, you lose weight the easy way. There's a lot of consequences to that. And then every time you walk up the hard part of the hill, you gain so much from it. So you know I don't Huh? You, know, you know what I love? It, while you were talking, I just Googled Ozempic side effects. Tell me why the first like five things that pop up in Google, it's all just paid ads by the Ozempic company or whatever. I'm like I, I couldn't even I get any legit sources on this because everything is a paid ad. This is this is the uh, the potential hope of ChatGPT. Like I should have gone there, you know, and asked ChatGPT. Then I would have gotten like one answer that would have actually given me like at least an 80% correct thing rather than like just paid ads on Google, which is hilarious. Let me reference one thing before I give you the floor on this. This is, this is, uh, I think a good example of what's going, this Ozempic problem is, is kind of, uh, it, it signals the largest problem in our society right now, probably going back to health span, lifespan conversations, which is that we've got a system of medicine that is super advanced for acute problems, right? Like you got a fucking bullet wound, you've got a genetic disorder, you've got something really serious going on with you, acute, you go to the hospital, they're going to help you figure it out. They're going to get you settled. You've got a chronic issue that might be social, emotional, or spiritual in nature, and you go to Western medicine for that, you're going to get fucked. And we're in this situation as a society, like my mom has back problems, right? I have uh, some problems with my neck right now. So I go and I look, you know, the first thing I'm like, well, how do I deal with this? And the first 10 things that come up on Google, it's like WebMD, you know, all these different places that are telling you what Western medicine says is the solution to your problem. So I'm going to use my example of my neck, right? They're like, well, you can get steroid injections in your neck or you can get your vertebrae fused together. That's all we got. You know, and I'm like, and then I go on YouTube and the fucking plurality of people who are like, oh, you've got a C4, C5, uh, you know, disc slippage in your neck. Here's fucking 85 different exercises that if you just do these diligently, once or twice a day, or even once or twice a week, you'll see a meaningful improvement in this amount of time. And it just blows my mind because everybody is like, just sucking on the tit, man. It's like, dude, give me, come on, daddy, give me the pill, you know, give me the pill that, that we're like little fucking hamsters, dude, with the little fucking water bottle, you know what I mean? With the little cocaine water bottle, you just want that fucking hit. You want to get back to doing your life and back to, you know, hustling or back to doing whatever the fuck you do. But it's like, dude, we got to knock this shit off. The pharmaceutical companies being able to advertise in this country is insane. We're one of the only countries in the world that allows pharmaceutical countries or pharma pharmaceutical companies to advertise. That in and of itself is insane that you can be advertised to where they're like, you know, you see, you probably see it on, on TV, Ozempic, you know, ask your doctor today. And it's like, no, 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 this isn't fucking Toys R Us. This isn't a lightsaber that you want mommy to buy for you. This is a fucking pharmaceutical that's changing the biochemistry in your meat suit. Like, 
you don't have any business asking anybody for anything, dude. You don't even know what it does. So I don't know. That's my fucking that that's like a soapbox for me is that people need to knock it off with the pill shit because I don't know if you if you noticed, but people have been thinking about how to fix the body for like ten thousand years. And there's multiple schools of thought and disciplines around aligning the musculature, the bone structures, the 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 nervous system. I mean, we have time tested wisdom passed down from almost every culture on earth that helps you figure these things out. Devin, let me let me just let me no, go okay. Let me let me set you straight on this one. I I gotta eat my bucket of KFC. I gotta get my my Ben and Jerry's. I gotta I gotta get a couple of corn dogs just for fun before I go to sleep at night. I need my bottle of Jack Daniels. And you know what's gonna make it so I can do that and I don't have to go to the gym in the morning? Ozempic. Ozempic. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm an American brother. I'm I'm an American. I got if I wanna eat my bucket of KFC, I'm gonna eat my bucket of KFC. I yeah, think that meanwhile that, you're gonna be <laughs> last old man <laughs> at like 53 <laughs> you know <laughs> uh that, that healthy lifestyle man yeah i don't know i think mean, it just goes against my uh my american flag that i just towed around on my truck as i'm driving around my summer no kidding man no kidding hey, well, crazy times to be alive if it's not ozempic or the the kfc it's gonna be uh you know, she and Putin with their uh, atomic weapons or chat GPT with its, uh, I didn't mean to have another podcast centered around doomerism. I, you know, I'm, I'm so optimistic about the future. And, Me and too. But on that note, wrapping things up. Hey, uh, thanks Devin. Good, good talks. And let's talk again soon. Yeah. Weekly roundup, Pete. Love you, buddy.